Welcome to Full Metal RPG. I'm your host. No, we're not. No, there are no hosts on this show anymore. What am I talking about? I'm Richie Buzzkill. I'm here today to we're going to talk about uh, the ups and downs of using miniatures and RPGs with my pal, my friend from across the pond, Rob. Rob, there's one bur- there was one burning question yes. that I need need you to answer. Okay. What have you done with Brendan? I didn't burn him. I promise you that. I didn't burn him. He's Are you alive. sure? Are you sure? He, he is alive. Brendan Carrion is alive. That is as far as I'm willing to confirm at this point. <laughs> um, that, 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 is, that is it. He is well. He sends his regards. He's been treated well. He obviously is fine. If you see a video of him and he's blinking and it's OS code out, ignore it. He's, he's absolutely fine. Obviously, <laughs> okay, but he is not on fire. He is fine. He's not on fire. He's Why? not on fire. I can confirm that to you. But he is doing a show with you. He is doing a show with me. Or is that a simula- simulacrum? Or are, are you using a simulacrum, Brendan? It's, it's, it's a glove puppet. Oh, um, to be honest, because. Um, you can't see us. It's an audio only podcast. I just sort of go, yeah, it's really Arizona. You know, you, that's it. It's the same thing, but I've got a little glove puppet, which you don't normally see. Right. Oh, so, so our, our good friend, Alex, our puppet, our puppet making friend, Alex down, he, he's down in London making puppets. Oh. So you clearly have engaged one of our yeah. patrons in, yes. in getting a, a fine hand puppet of Brendan, mm. which, okay. Alex, I know you're going to listen to this eventually, if we could just mm. see that at some point. I know you're working on your uh, some Warhammer thing or another as well, but get, get that, put that on the list and I will pay you money. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> we might RPG, but everyone's a puppet. It's right. like Muppet Christmas Carol. Everyone but Buzzkill is a puppet. You're the Michael Caine. What? That would be amazing. I would, uh, I, I think if the patrons want it, we can add it as a goal. I would pay good money to see that myself. So, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fantastic idea, Rob. Rob always has fantastic ideas, yeah. but he's also he obsessed with Warhammer, which is what the realm of fire is about. So, uh, all of the Warhammers, uh, but that's also, Includes the miniatures, right? Not just mm-hmm. the role-playing games, because you love no. the, the Warhammer role-playing games, yeah. but also the miniatures. Today, yes. we're going to talk about using miniatures in role-playing games. That's why I thought of my good friend from across the pond. I love that. So, uh, usually... So, mm. forever and a day, I was not... I was mostly a theater of mind person. Yes, okay. And that's mostly because I didn't paint miniatures. <laughs> sure, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, so, and then we got a little, I got a little bit of a taste of it and this is an entirely different subject, but it's connected with the virtual tabletops. We all started, I started right. doing five or six years ago and then really started doing two years ago. So, but I've always drawn a room on a pa- piece of paper and just like used pente beads and pe- mm-hmm. pennies to like move around to, cause it's just so much easier yeah. to do that. Yeah. Is, is, you know, RPGs started with miniatures. Yeah. What do you think? Where are we at with kind of, where are you at? Where are you at with miniatures? Where and I at? Yeah. 
personally, funny because when you raised the topic with me, I thought, well, I don't use miniatures in RPGs. Um, I'm a face of the mind person. I I very rarely use maps. Um, I very rarely, um, if I'm using virtual tabletops, I don't use them. If I'm playing online, it's this. It, it's, it's faces looking at each other. Um, however, every time I have used miniatures, I thought, well, this is much easier. It, you know, every time I've actually just taken that moment, just rather than saying, okay, you're in a Western bar, and you're at the bar, and the outlaws have come in, you know what you're going to do? <clears throat> Is there a table in front of me? Uh, yeah, okay. Rather than have that discussion, the times I've gone, all right, do you know what? I'll just draw out a little bar saloon, as you say, put a few meeples down from, from board games. I thought, well, this is much better. This is, this is much better. This is an aid that works. But I have yet to fully incorporate it, I think. And the question is being, where am I with this now? When I go back to face-to-face gaming, which is hopefully beginning very, very soon, and we're here, um, I'm going to drop into the... I'm going to go big on the miniature side. I actually think having those there does give you something. It's the physicality. I think we've had two years of virtual reality. <laughs> yes. not as good as we were promised in the lawnmower, man. So it's it's been very... No cards, and yeah, you've got dice, but also you can just type 2D12 into Google in it and other search engines, and it comes up. Those physical elements are missing now for me, and miniatures are a part of that. I would love now, even if you don't use it in a game, to sit down at a table and have a little, you know, 28mm to 35 heroic scale figure <laughs> next to you, doesn't help. You know, it just it gives you something to look at in between turns while you're waiting for the fighter do their 20 sword swings or, or the wizard for doing their three spells or whatever yeah. it is yeah. and you're the rogue and you've gone oh <laughs> you've got your little miniature to look at and go oh it, it, it keeps you in it, they act as little prompts almost i think even if you don't use them technically they act as prompts they're on the table they're there it's 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 not you know, that moment in a film, like when they've got the magical chess pieces, or you know that that kind of real trope. Um, Jason the Argonauts, where the gods are moving the the, the, the pieces about oh, yeah, and no. come to life awesome. and stuff. Yeah. Um, clashes, away. Mm. You know, it, it gives you that moment. Yeah, and I think that's sort of where I've kind of come to a little bit myself. And now mm. we have both kind of, especially. I have kind of turned to painting is something I started a few years ago as, as kind of like a, a Zen hobby. I wasn't really playing games with them. I was just like, I stare at a computer screen 10 to 12 hours a day. I need to do something where I'm not doing that to just kind of like settle my brain in. But um, when I started doing that, I got the Castle Ravenloft board game. Yep. There was a 4E, but it a little mm-hmm. late in 4E. Yeah. The Castle Ravenloft board game. And mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to paint up that set. Yeah. So I painted up that set and I made a little foam holder for it. And then, and, and longtime listeners will know that I kind of have like this like little con with my friends. They just we just go rent a couple hotel rooms and or a house or something, and we go and hang out and we play role game games all weekend. Well, um, I decided it was like, well, not normally running 
D and D or whatever. But I was like, I have all these miniatures, so I go and I bring this box. I lug this box from here to Tampa or Atlanta or something in my suitcase, taking up three quarters of my suitcase, uh, and and decide. And I think it really helped because, especially in those tactical games, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're set up in such a way that I think it really helps, even if you have just the little pennies and whatever. But yeah. when it when it's got that uh, painted miniature on the table, it really does change your kind of perception. And I think there's a downside to that, but I want to, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, the downside is that it limits imagination sometimes. I think that's, yes. to me, that's what the counter argument to all this is mm-hmm. from, and this is the argument that I've made for years and years, is it limits me, right? Yeah. And I, I actually I, think it might be the grid that's limiting and not the miniatures, but that's that's to you, sir. Yeah. I, see, I brought this as well because I see the setups where people have got a, a table They've got all their dungeon terrain out and they've got, you know, a port that they've made. And I think that's really cool. You know what? You know, you've you've got a twelve foot table full of this stuff. You know, you look at these premium D and D players who've got everything there. I'm, I'm not half I'm only half on D and D because that's you know I can take off at the moment. But then I look at that and think, that's cool and all, but what if your players say, Oh, but we want to go to the desert? What do you do then? Do you do you pull it all down? Do you go right, you go out the room? I'm just going to pull all this terrain down. Yeah. Bring <laughs> yeah. You almost have to set up the date for that. Like if you're going that far, right. You have to, yeah. I think there's like a, an in-between state yeah. that is that. better. Like yeah. the Dwarven Forge ideal, right. Is Ooh. too much, way too much. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like if you're running a con game with Dwarven Forge where yeah. you're like, no, this is battle dungeon. All P all Heroes start here, yeah. here, here. We're running yeah. this same dungeon all weekend. You guys are coming to play that. Cool. Mm-hmm. But if we're just playing a casual game and they're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to go to that dungeon that you've been laying the the like yeah. the seeds for. Or yeah. we're not going to the bar. That bar is we're not going to go f- to that bar where clearly it's a trap. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey. Players, I'm going to talk to players for a second. Players, yes, the GM is laying a trap for you, but for a reason, okay? Please fall into more GM traps. It will help everyone everywhere, all day, every day, okay? It's important to know it's a trap. Even say, look, this is clearly a trap, but we have to go. But some, yeah, you know, I understand agency. I really do. <laughs> yeah. And imagine a horror film where they just drive away. You've got no film. You know, and, and the adventures are the same. I know this is a little bit off topic. Yeah. Go with the story. You know, right. don't acknowledge also is I'm, I'm going to do a camera piece here and then we'll go back right. to the miniatures. Yeah. As a player, never say, well, let's be better do this plot device or there's going to be no adventure tonight. Hee hee. Because the GM will look at you just like, sure, why, why? Yeah, you know it's a game, it's not real. That's fine. You can also press stop on a video, a video, a DVD, and stop the film if you want to. Don't, don't acknowledge it. It is a game. Just enjoy it. Go with it. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of prep, especially when you get into miniatures, right? And and yeah. building dungeons. There's a lot of prep yeah. from the GM, and we've got a good question. We got some good prompts from our our patrons here that really go into this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let that point go. But yeah, it it does it does give you this sense that you're doing something more grand than, but to me, GMs lay up the rules a little bit more, <laughs> lay, lay aside the rules a little bit more during miniature combat. Cause that to me is like the, when it starts to break down is when we're like, okay, I'm counting six squares yeah. and then I'm going to do a thing. Right. But uh, me, me as a monk, I want to be able to run down the hallway, run up the wall, do a flip kick off the ceiling. Yes, I'm only moving six squares and then I'm kicking a guy, right? It's, yeah. But I'm going to describe it, so that that's where... <laughs> yeah, and I think miniatures, to go back to the whole limiting but also helping imagination, my, so my ideal setup is you have miniatures for the players, each of whom brought the room, <laughs> we'll get on to that in a minute. We'll get on to that, yeah. We have miniatures for the enemies. And actually, in this case, I don't think it's as important to have perfect miniatures for everybody because you don't know what you're going to roll on the wandering monster chart. Right. Honestly, I think if you had a set of 10 red meeples and five dark red meeples, you could go, okay, in this room, it's. And goblins and five orcs, you know, like you can just do that little differential, and they could just be generic meeples, and then in the next room, it's five bugbears and five evil wizards. But that's just a just a thing off, you know. But as long as you can see them, that helps. Yeah, um, I I don't expect the bad guys to be lovingly painted. It's it's always lovely if they are, right? Yeah, but but absolutely. If you just go and buy like the three D and D box sets that have the rubber miniatures in them. Yeah. You have more than enough to like cover most encounters or just, you know, I have a 3d printer. I, you could, we could just put like bullet points of each one of my hobbies we're talking about, like down the side of the screen, like yeah. on the side of an aircraft or something. But, uh, you know, yes, there's these, all these, uh, pa- patrons, patrons that have like, Oh, you get an entire campaign book and miniatures with it you can print out there's there's some extremes to go to but really if you just use the same meeples or pawns or whatever but the players the player characters really should be nicely nicely detailed and i think that on a map is enough for me i don't need 3d terrain i play i play warhammer i play 40k and i have the terrain in some cases it crosses over i play a lot of soulbound for example that's one of my major games Therefore, I have a lot of Age of Sigmar stuff. That's great. However, I also play a lot of Numenera. I don't have Numenera terrain because that would be insane. Um, put a map drawn out. Fine. Absolutely fine. So the miniatures are there to give you a prompt. They help you figure out where you are on the map. But I don't expect the full Dwarven Forge thing because I do that is when it starts limiting, I believe. Well, it's sort of hard to even use a miniature inside of a du- walled off dungeon. Yeah. Like, it's hard to reach it. So, yeah. like, I think, I mean, I would personally prefer to not be on grids. Yes, agreed. Right? Agreed. I would much yeah. rather take a whiteboard that has nothing mm-hmm. on it and yeah. just draw the area. It doesn't have to be yeah. to scale. Yeah. Roughly in the, in the size, you can be kind of mm-hmm. like, 
a little free hand and be like, oh, no, it's clearly bigger than that once you put the miniatures. Like, it's over here. Like, just enough to kind of set the stage. Like, we always end up drawing on a piece of eight and a half by 11 or a one size paper, not a one, a four, a four. Ha, I got it. Um, We always end up drawing on that kind of paper, like what the area looks like anyway. So why not have like a, 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 a relatively large, a whiteboard, you know, a medium sized whiteboard that you can just lay on the table and be like, nah, nah, nah. and then you yeah. can like erase it and be like, Oh no, there's a broken wall. Oh no, there's, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and then your players say, we want to go to the desert. You can say, cool. But yeah. I, I'll draw an oasis. And now you're in the desert, you know, yeah, I'm a hunter of that, that. I'm a big zone guy. Yeah. So soulbound, I love the combat in because it's all zones. I do think getting away from grids is important because, the miniatures should be a game aid. They shouldn't be the game. If you right. want to play a miniatures game, hit me up on Discord. I will I will tell you how many skirmish tactical miniatures games there are. Because you'll have more if you are down to wanting to count squares and there's nothing wrong with that, then we're better systems than D D, more Borg, than Solar. There are better games designed for that. They should be an aid for the roleplay game. And with the zones, you do that because it is just a case of to go back to the Western bar, you've got the drinking bit, the bar, the stairs, and the balcony above. You just draw out those zones, and you can then just say, okay, I'm going to run up the stairs to the balcony above. You don't need to count on two, three, four, five, six. You just you know where you are at that point for when the guys come in next. And that's the flexibility of miniatures. It solidifies this imagined scene without, if you go too far, you've made the scene in front of you, and it's a model railway. And now you're playing on a model railway. And it's too much. It is too much. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, Fate is a good example of this. Has a they, They're doing near far as kind of like, mm-hmm. it's all built into the system. I, I like that much more because I want to be able to jump over the railing, do something dumb, and, and then, uh, uh, you know, then have somebody else fall on me. Like, it's... It should be dynamic. Combat should be dynamic. And that's what RPGs allow, mm-hmm. right? When you go full. But sometimes that dynamism is confusing. Like when you have a dynamic system, it's a yeah. bit confusing. Yeah, of so, so like you want to limit a certain amount of chaos, right? But you it, too much and everybody's confused and too little is yeah. really boring, right? So yeah. you want to, there's like a sweet spot there. So. Yeah, there really is, and that 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 is spot on because the problem with theatre of the mind is everyone's got a different mind. <laughs> so you, you know you can you can sit for twenty minutes and describe a cave, but someone won't listen at one point and then say, "Oh, sorry, did you say there was a stalactite there?" And you're like, oh, "I can't remember now." And right. Immediately, it's, you've got a problem there because it, they were hiding behind the stalactite and throw a rock. Right. It's a modern game. And the modern game, you're describing a high school, right? Everyone around the table is thinking of their high school. They're not thinking of the high school you're describing most almost invariably. And then there will become a point when it will become a problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they'll say, well, you say, well, you're in the canteen and there's tables. As someone will say, all right, I pick up one table and start rolling it Indiana Jones style. In your head, the tables are square picnic benches. Right. And if you have to go down to that level of 
the tables are picnic benches, <laughs> then oh my god, you know, you you're playing a home decorating game. Right. It gets everybody on the same if you draw the square table, it gets everybody exactly on the same page. Right. But I also think it'd be cooler just to let them roll the table because it's more fun, more fun. But uh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. If the players caught with a good plan, GMs, let them do it. Roll the dice to see how well they do it. But if they caught with a good plan, let them do it. It it might not go very far or it might might cover them the whole way. Yeah. No, if it fits within the tone of the game that you're trying to kind of negotiate, mm-hmm. just roll some dice and see what happens. That's the essence of this entire thing anyways. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, the key to miniatures, and we'll keep, I think we're going to keep going back to this, is they're an aid. They really are an aid to the game. They're not the game. There are miniatures games. Yeah, I mean, like I've said, like that that Ravenloft box set is a miniatures game, but it's essentially mm-hmm. the combat portion of fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons put in a box. Yeah. And when you realize that Dungeons and Dragons, and this is one of the things I think a lot of people rebel against, a lot of a lot of our fans that like D D is the worst. And for some some it is because it limits the imagination and you want this like very grim real but also kind of like interesting world you don't get that with the kind of how many rules do i have for grappling like yes. <laughs> yeah absolutely oh god right okay <laughs> so having one of those like having just kind of like some aid there and just go like okay we're we have it not we're no one is like we've all agreed that we're kind of doing a bit of loose and fast on these kind of rules that are like heavily into this. And if we all agree to that, I think it's going to be a hell of a good time. Like, yeah, absolutely. And you can make a little event. I don't want to do that. I feel like I've done down a bit on these GMs that put a lot of effort to create this, these mega tables because they're incredibly impressive. They really are. Oh yes. But I always think back. The image that sticks with me is Dave Arneson's black mole board. So Dave Arneson, don't think I need to introduce on this podcast, but you know, with Gygax, created D&D, created proto-D&D. And his table is a ping-pong table. So, you know, table, tennis table, big two big green boards, effectively, with chalk lines drawn on it. What we would sort of recognise as maybe toy wooden blocks for houses and buildings. And then lead miniatures. And I look at that and I think, yeah, that's that can cover everything. You know, that is the entire realm of Blackboard on one table. Absolutely. And and one of the things that uh, I think they were saying about a, a lot of the early monsters were mm-hmm. all just dollar store or pound yeah. store uh, uh, rubber figures that they bought yeah. that made no freaking sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the rust monster was probably some sort of like, uh, it's cockroach, kaiju, isn't it, or something? Like a cockroach kaiju from a, from a space alien bag or something. Crazy, what does it do? It? Oh, yeah. it eats your armor. Like you know, yeah. like go to the go to the pound store, go to the dollar store, and just pick up some rubber stuff to like yeah. throw on the table. Like absolutely, it'd be I a lot. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, the less sense the miniature makes, the more you can project upon it. <laughs> yes, and I think this is important. As to go back to the miniature side of it, if you're getting into miniatures, the first thing you should do is not go on Instagram and look at other people's miniatures. Yeah, absolutely. Do not. (laughs) Just don't. Because there are people 
you are professional, but hobbyists look at it and go, oh, God, well, I'll never paint like that, so I won't try. I will never play football as well as Lionel Messi, but I'm still going to kick a ball around the park. It's fine. You won't be that good. And you don't have to be that good. If you're going to get into it, get something that you like the look of, put it on a base, put it on the table, don't paint it, just look at it for a bit. Because I used to play with unpainted miniatures all the time. And that in itself is fun. I mean, if you want to, maybe spray it metal if they're covered in armour. That will be enough. Don't think, particularly for RPGs, you need to have some wonderful Games Workshop in-house studio-level painted miniature. You don't. Dave Arneson used to have dinosaurs with plasticine wings sculpted on the back for dragons. They look brilliant. They look more charming than a plastic kit ever will. It's too Second reference of Jason the Argonauts in right. one, <laughs> in one thing is the equivalent of the stop motion versus the CGI. Right. Yeah, the CGI technically looks better, but there's the charm of the stop motion, and that's the same with miniatures. Something that you put a bit of time into, or even you haven't, you just you've assembled it and put it down on the table. But it's yours and you love it will always be better than you know some professional thing that someone never actually plays with, it just sits on the shelf. Honestly. Don't chase after other people's miniature hobby. Yeah. And, and and to me, like all hobbies, the more you do it, the better you're going to be, no matter what, really. I mean, everybody hits a limit at certain points, but just put if you're gonna do any painting, just put brush in to paint and just put it on there and just yeah. do not <laughs> the yeah. the perfect is the enemy of the good, okay? Yeah. And and just have fun with it if you're going to do it. Otherwise, just throw whatever you got. Go go into your kid's room, scoop up an armful of, of random garbage they're not going to miss. Go put it yeah. on a table and you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. If you try to go too far, it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. For- Agreed. If you could go get a set of those army men, you know the army men that everyone has, oh, yeah. the 1950s US army dudes, you know, kind of thing. Bag of them, pick one each for your characters, go to the other side of the store, pick up a load of plastic dinosaurs, get a big bit of paper, draw out a map, that's your game. That's great, Bob. Right there, that's an RPG adventure. Pull a rule set off your off the shelf, something easy, and you've got soldiers versus dinosaurs in a 50s B-movie game. That's a Savage Worlds game, and you've got those little things to spark the imagination. That's a game right now. I want to play that right now. Yeah, that would be awesome. That I mean, <laughs> that's the thing is like, especially if you get from non-traditional sources, you can get some much more interesting like concepts if you really wanted to lean yeah. into whatever those are. Right? Yeah. You can still play all your. You could still play like Delta Green with your army men and dinosaurs. Actually, that'd be perfect. But uh, I meant like you can play D and D with your army men and dinosaurs. Like it's fine. Like. You could even spray the 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 fighter like silver or whatever or like yeah. you know the wi- the wizard's blue like you know yeah. whatever you're and gonna you do. Will, it, what then starts happening is you will go to a shop and you'll have a look at some miniature range that you've never looked at before and you'll say that's cool I could use that in a D and D adventure and from the miniature you start sparking RPG ideas because you think oh, that'd be really cool. So say you look at the the, the now seemingly default miniature game war machine i'm sure it still goes i'm not sure though that is a very specific miniature rule set i've got some cool big robots you might look at one and go that would make a brilliant golem in D D." absolutely yeah, that's what i'm going to do for the next D adventure from that miniature 
you've sparked imagination, your plays will spark imagination from it. It's an artifact that, you know, as to go back to the babying, is the physicality that you just look at it and you go, oh yeah, I want to do something with it. It's like a good bit of art, but you can hold it and manipulate it and make it yours. Absolutely. And I think it's maybe time to talk about our Patreon prompts. I think so. I think, I think so. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, our patrons keep us, uh, keep me cause I'm running the show now. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, keep me, uh, honest and uh, moving and motivated because they're so good. When I asked them a question, cause I, I dropped this, uh, just miniatures and RPGs and they gave me four or five answers in the, in the secret uh, discord channel that they're only allowed in. Uh, and, uh, I think let's go with, the first one from Mike, or AKA Realm of Garbage Juice. Great name. <laughs> great name. Great, great name. name. Should the yeah. G.I. Joe RPG have been designed for action figures instead of miniatures? Oh, that's a good question. I think yes. I'm going to tell you why I think yes, because actually I think it could have had its own combat system where players and the GMs both have to hold their action figures up and then and see what parts fly off yeah if one someone hurts their fingers they lose Um, (laughs) I think that yeah no I think that's a really good idea actually I think again like zones putting those down would be great you know you could definitely yeah it should have been I'd say the Power Rangers one you know I think it should have been, but sort of pointless because G.I. Joe is the most pacifist show ever because no one dies, no one gets hit, and it just kind of like they're shooting past each other. But to really answer, to not just make a a joke of this, I think he's right because nostalgia is a hell of a drug. They could have just gone and gotten the cheap. You can just go get, you can still get three and three quarter minute action figures from every pound Mm -hmm. shop. You can get the little fi- vehicles. You could do yeah, the whole yeah. thing up. Yeah. I think you. I think if you're a GM, you want to run the GI Joe miniatures game or something like that. GI Joe idea, where Freedom Force or some of these other mm-hmm. Savage Worlds ones, just go get a bunch of three and three quarter uh, action figures and have a mm-hmm. hell of a time because they're already painted. They're already painted out of the box. You can yeah. just take the vehicles and put them down, like. There, there's really no downside to this idea. I know it's a joke, Mike, but it's a really great idea. <laughs> yeah. And or, um, Star Wars, of course. You know, oh, if yeah. you've got all those Star Wars figures, firstly, take them out of the packets, play with them, they're toys, and then <laughs> mm. put them down, because how cool would that be? Imagine playing the West End games, D6 Star Wars, with the Keller toys. You'd just oh. be like, this is so cool. I, I guarantee you, you pull that stunt at a con, you're going to have like people just standing around, like looking yeah. at this, like one going, can I play? Can I, I, I just, yeah. I just play. It just like the end of Boba Fett. It was like somebody's backyard battle came to life in the streets of Mos Espa. Like yeah. if you just did yeah. that, like, yes, you would need at least. Toy. Yeah. Toy and they banged it and they're like, right, right. I'm riding it. <laughs> I, I've got this, this, uh, off-brand sci-fi tank and I'm going to take my Rancor and just like beat them together. Like (laughs) I I think you could just use a relatively light system like Savage Worlds and do that with, uh, cause Savage Worlds does kind of a zone thing. Anyways, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a hybrid system. 
Yeah. I would I would be down. You, you need like, you know, 10 stormtroopers like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's so cool. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a genuinely good idea. Um, because again, you, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Eh? Why not? Yeah. Mike, in fact, Mike, you now have to do that. You yeah. Know, put this as a bit. You now have to do it. Yeah. Sorry. You, you said too good an idea. Clearly, we need to see progress on this idea. Run it at PAX East or whatever next con you're going to. Agreed. Um, now, uh, Mike Marines, the homie Mike Marines, who has been a as is local Arizona guy, he says opinions on who players who believe that that it's the GM's responsibility only to provide all the miniatures, but not but also paint them as well. So, painting not a chance. No. Um, however. Here's the thing. As a GM, you want to pull surprises, right? Oh, absolutely. So, if you say to your players, because why don't you go out and buy a box of orcs for me tomorrow, you know there's going to be orcs in the next scenario. Right. No one wants that, right? I think the best way to deal with this, this is how you can also very quickly break up a gaming group, is if you're going to be using miniatures, and it's not already part of someone's hobby, so for example, I've mentioned earlier, I have a lot of Warhammer figures, I ain't going to run Soulbound. And that's fine. I, I will provide the miniatures. I've already got them. If you as a group are playing D&D, one day, one of you says, or you all say, we should use miniatures, and a little fund, you, your group should become almost like a, a gaming club. You each chip in $10 each. You've got $50 there. The GM then goes out and buys them because they want to pull the surprise. Of course, there's going to be trust here, but if you're playing RPGs with people you don't trust, get a different hobby or a different group. Get, get a different group. <laughs> yeah. And you'll get them under the, you know, you do all own them. But if you want that surprise and you want that fun, do it. Just, just, just fund it together, and you'll have a better time. And then you'll have these things when your group breaks up because two of you get a job in a different state, or you know, you got to move. You can take some of them with you then, and you've got those as physical memories. Then it's a nice little thing. RPGs were best when you were like. And to 11 years old, right? When yeah. you've got that yeah. kind of spark of imagination, miniatures take you back to that place, and, and, and anything that helps with that is good for RPG. So I would say the GM should, can provide them, but everyone should fund them. Just as everyone should buy a player's handbook, just as everyone should buy the rules. I'm a strong believer in that because as a front of a GM, I'm a lot poorer than my players. <laughs> but that's on me. I buy a core book just to read. But if I want to play a game, my place to also have the books um, because it costs, you know. Um, but that's just on me. That's um, so I think miniatures provide no, but they might facilitate the buying of painting. No, if the GM paints them by spray canning them, that's done. Be thankful. Yeah, I, I, to me, I think you're right. I, I think if that's you know, this is part of that session zero discussion. I think it should be right is, mm-hmm. Hey, do we want to do this? If you don't have the stuff already, then discuss, you know, like, hey, like you're going to be talking about money anyways. Cause you're going to be like ordering pizza or something. Every time yeah. you play, it's just how this works. Like you're going to have a meal. It's just part of the hobby. Most of the time when you're in somebody's home and you're playing after work on the weekends, which is when most of us play. I think that, especially for player characters miniatures, I mean, I have some that 
people could use, but I think you should get your own if you're a player. Like for the PC, like there's something special about picking out. Like I will bring a a set with me just because like if I'm going to, you know, then I can be like, oh, I'm going to play this guy this time. Right. But I have those already. The players shouldn't feel any. I mean, I would want to paint it, but like if they don't want to paint it, like, you know, give it a, give give it a, a try. But I think the players should have to at least contribute from their end a, a, a miniature they want to use for, for their, for their, and if they can't, or you want to, it's all a negotiation. Everything in RPGs is negotiated. Um, uh, but I also don't think the GM should have to paint everything because that is just so much work as someone that has, I don't know, probably another 200 orcs, in his closet to paint. Yeah. Yeah. I do not need that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Right. If that's what you yeah. believe, then maybe you should go find someone that does that. Yeah. Like, and painting is expensive. Paints cost money. Uh, good brushes cost money. It's a hidden cost, but it's a cost. Yeah. You know, if, if you want good highlighting on, on a figure, you're looking at a base color, a shade color, and a highlight color. You're looking at ten dollars worth of paint there, you know, and that's for the flesh. That's I mean, one color on that, right? right. And it's 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 a lot of money. It's a lot of time. Like doing one miniature can take, you know, you can do it in ten minutes, but you can also take hours and hours and hours. And depending on it, see comment about never looking at Instagram miniatures, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, I think that to me is the it should be a negotiation. If that's your belief, then I'm sorry move along <laughs> like yeah it, it would be a sadistic a masochistic somebody um gm who wants to collect all the monsters of under mountain and get them painted ready for your game of, of, of D. right exactly um alex gb uh mm-hmm. who is a, a puppet master puppet maker i mean uh <laughs> um yeah. he's talking about is you Find using miniatures, add immersion. We could sort of talked about this a little bit, but or take yeah. away from it. Uh, it's a pretty good case for either. So yeah, I think that was the majority of our of our topic was being or taking away. I think yeah, as you said, sweet spot between showing what's happening and dictating what's happening. I think there's a sweet spot that miniatures can fill between it, where it's sequencing and you work and work it out. Too much, you take away too little and it's a bit confusing. So I think that was the majority of our, our topic. There. Right. And, and I think there, yeah, it, you can get, go too far, but I think there is something that can add. So, yeah. Um, is, and uh, Patrick, the DM, uh, well, and to uh, piggyback on that thought is the approach from different systems matter with, with miniatures. Do you, do you approach different systems and different, uh, you know, with miniatures differently? That's a really good question. I think, yes, because I think there are some systems that just, I just can't see the need for miniatures. Mm. Also, I think the systems where miniatures would almost take it away, a lot of the joy away, and the one that I'm going to home in on that most people know and will play is Call of Cthulhu. 
because if you put a miniature down of a thing called Cthulhu, your your players will probably burst out laughing and say, what the hell is that? That just looks like a traffic cone with tentacles. <laughs> like, that's not scary. Well, it is a traffic cone with tentacles, but <laughs> it it's like giving stats to gods, right? It, this, is, this is one of the cases where if you put a miniature down, the thought is, and this is not always the case, that you should be able to beat that, right? And this is a misconception by a lot of players that GMs will always produce an encounter you should be able to win. Now, I think all encounters are, have a slimmest margin of being able to win, but there is like there's like a good percentage where like no, 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 you're you're supposed to get beat and run the way. So like that's where you can see this like it just depends on how. But with Call of Cthulhu specifically, like no. You're not yeah. supposed to fight the monsters. Like, yeah, yeah you've, you're going to fight the monsters, but you're going to lose. Yeah. So maybe just maybe, I mean, you can really do it up and make it look interesting, but yeah. I think there's, yeah. I think there's uh, just, yeah. you know, look at each one. I mean, there's systems that are designed for it. Those systems mm -hmm. ha usually have those rules built in. Yeah. Maybe you change those rules, to make it more fitting to what you want to do. But those are generally the ones I would say like Wraith with miniatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I know. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no. I could see vampire. I could see vampire. Yeah. There's a case for vampire, yeah. but Wraith. Yeah. No yeah. changeling. Yeah. No <laughs> people stood around in a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are certain systems, there are certain systems, as you say, nailed on for it. D and D is, um, Savage Worlds is, the, the the Warhammer systems, both Soulbound and Wrath and Glory. Come on, that's what that's what they want to sell you. That's what is it works. You can play a very good skirmish game using Soulbound. But yeah, Wraith, no. If you want to do monsters and Call of Cthulhu, there are again good board games to play. Go play Mansions of Madness. Go play something like that. The RPG will not benefit from having miniatures because when you're exploring a library, do you does the GM need to you know, make a model of a library <laughs> when you're walking around Innsmouth. I mean, if, you know, you walk into a room and someone's got a fully sculpted Innsmouth with a smoke machine, I'm sure that would be amazing. All you do is go and buy go to the hotel. Right. I, you know, I, I, I go I go to the coffee that. shop to interview yeah. somebody. Then I go yeah. to the, the library to read a book. Yeah. Like, what are you going to encounter? Like a fish person? Uh, yeah. you, you know, like... Some guy. You you're gonna open. Guy. You're gonna open a door, and there's just gonna be a fully sculpted miniature of people yeah. of someone fucking a fish person. Like, <laughs> like what? What? You know? Like, what are you gonna do with Innsmouth? I I don't know. I I think that there, you can kind of tell by the genre what's like. Yeah. Like cyberpunk is perfect for it. So I think it's perfect for it. I think if you can easily find miniatures for it, that's a good sign. Yes. Like if you're if you're playing sci hard sci-fi, brilliant. If you're playing Star Wars, no problem. If you're playing Good Society, which is a Jane Austen era social RPG, you're gonna have a harder time finding miniatures of Elizabeth Bennett and you know Kitty Bennett and stuff. Great game, by the way. Yeah. But you don't need miniatures for it. Brindlewood <laughs> um, Bay, you were talking about last. Right, Brindlewood Bay. Yeah, you would not Brindlewood use Bay. miniatures for Brindlewood Bay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I think the only exception to that rule would be Call mm-hmm. of Cthulhu because you can find yeah. lots of Lovecraftian horrors as miniatures. Yes, or plushy toys. Plushy toys, yeah. You can put your plushy Cthulhu on the table, yeah, like no, no. Munchkin Cthulhu and your your plushy Cthulhu and your Prejudice and Cthulhu book. I'm I'm getting a little indigestion. I might throw up in my ass a little bit. Anyway, um, and then finally, Tin Man Prime. Uh, he says, I don't really think I'm the target audience, but what about remote only gaming and and virtual tabletops, right? And I think that that uh, every topic is for everybody. I mean, just at least listen along. But I think virtual tabletops sort of most of the rules we've talked about sort of work in their resource packs to kind of do these things, right? Yeah. But just take the grid, just turn the grid off, just turn the grid off, and you're yeah, you're good. <laughs> totally agree. I, I don't, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm not a big minutes person. I have used them a bit more online using, um, I use Albert, is it called Albert Weasel? Or is that the magazine? Albert Rodeo, which is a completely free um, online tabletop simulator thing. It's very basic, very simple, and that uses tokens and maps that you can gather from Reddit if you go to our battle maps. You can pull any amount of maps in there. And that did help because it is just a case of put a token down, you're stood about here, put a token down for them, you're stood about there. Um, I think they're useful. I think more, I think virtually they are good because it's even harder to get across the, right. a description online. And yeah. you say, you can't pull out that bit of A4 and go, no, when I say canteen, this is what I mean. You know, right. I think here is what I mean because you have to open a whiteboard and then start drawing it on paint. And it's, yeah. it's, at least, you know, the GM should at least maybe share their screen with a map, right? Because yeah. it, it's just going to be so... I mean, yes, you can do theater of the mind, and we did it, did it for years and years, but, like, there's something about having that map. And you here's, here's a secret. If you just type in plans for airport, you can find hundreds of airport plans you can just drop right in you can make you know those really tactical games like those cyberpunk games like where the most of the work is like we're gonna do a heist like just dropping like those cool plans in can really really make a difference and then having the you know showing like okay here's the mech going across this you know the or the full cyborg conversion like shows Ooh. up and it's this giant like image of a of this half cyborg man like you go oh shit right and it's yeah. so it's basically free because you can go just steal a bunch of jpegs yeah. like yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah to use that example you could take a snapshot of Google Earth and just say. Because with that, you don't have to be explicit. You can draw a picture. You can a picture of a hotel, you know, all American town, and say the mech is now stomping down Main Street, and you put a little picture of the mech down. It's you know where on Main Street it is. Is it between the corner bar and the mini bar? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you've said it, the players can keep looking at that and going, "Okay, it's Main Street." Oh, they can start riffing off that. They don't need to know exactly where it is. But it helps in that way. And I think virtually, yeah, there is that extra level of just helps get everyone the same level. And the downside, of course, is some of these things are notoriously somewhat finicky in getting set up. So it does take, there is some overhead to that. But I think just getting that picture up there of a map is worth 
all the, worth the time, the heartache to try and get there. Tokens. There's some debate whether that, you know, but I think it can be helpful to be like, okay, and you're here. It's like throwing the pe pennies on the board, right? So. Yeah, 100%. So. And if you're stealing other people's artwork to make tokens, credit them. Right, of course. Don't, don't just, I mean, don't sell other people's artwork. No, clear, clearly not. But, you know, if somebody asks, where did you get that? Like, you know, it's from here, right? So. Art, we, we, we here at Full Moon RPG believe in crediting artists and paying them if possible, right? Yeah. So, okay, we had we had some incredible points from our patrons. Um, I think we have time here to maybe do a short RPG picks, Rob. Uh, I'm going to pick something I just picked up. Mm -hmm. and it's called 2400. This is the thing I just mm -hmm. found on itch. Mm -hmm. Um and it's basically like this like it was an interview on the in, on the Bastion Lands podcast with the with the designer uh and he he also did a game called in in or Agents of ODD which yes. is, which yeah. is basically like the um uh like it's supposed to be like BPRD or uh, X-Files or whatever, but he yeah. did this kind of, he tried to run Mothership and kind of got caught up. It didn't really work for him, so he wrote this game called 2400. And it's these almost vignette games of like, if you're doing space truckers, like this is the two pages to do space truckers, like mm -hmm. prompts. And then how to how to build uh, uh, you know some space truckers uh, things, uh, and then you could be like, oh well, we've landed on a planet, and now we'll play the horror version. It's sort of like almost it could be chapters in the same book, but they're they're two pages. So one half of one page is an image of the cover, right? So. Um, but it's brilliant. It's a little, I mean, I'm going to read some more. I'm going to try to see if I can just throw up a quick session of it sometime, but I just, it's a beautiful little game. I just want to highlight off of itch.io 2400. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to also pick something off itch. Two things actually very quickly. One is there is a brilliant bundle on itch.io at the moment, which is raising money for translites and Texas. Yes. Dollars. Something like 150 games. Oh, it's like it. 400 games now. It's right. Yeah, it's it's, been, it's, it's that. That's one of those things about those itch. And I, of course, I already got it. I gave them like 25 yeah. bucks or whatever. Yeah. Like, because clearly, anybody mm -hmm. that tells on a trans person should get the sword. So we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we're gonna try and defend uh, those yeah. uh, that population. Um, and uh, yeah, so I fully endorse this there's some really cool stuff in there um really uh, brilliant uh games that there's so many of them it's hard to find but <laughs> you'll, find something, you'll find something to play they might not all need miniatures the one that i am picking though is from itch.io and it's a famous one that i have never encountered before because it turns out my head under a rock for a long time sword and backpack rpg have you heard of this no i haven't heard of this is this? this is part of the what's kind of known, half known as the free 
complete spiel revolution of games, almost like an offshoot of OSR. I need I need to have a, a discussion with somebody about free Kriegspiel. I think we should do this because it's something I'm hitting now. That I'm like, this is brilliant, insanely rules light. Literally, if you want to do something in this game, the GM will say, "I think you've got you know X chance of doing this." Roll a d twenty. Yeah, he did it, or no, he didn't. That's it. You nice. Between you, you talk about it. You say, you know, a warrior hitting an orc needs a seven on the d twenty. Rogue needs a 10. That's it. And it all changes depending on how you role play. That's it. Sword and Battle is a brilliant, almost codified version of it where you get eight small pages which you are meant to stick into a little journal to make your own adventure man- manual that you can then write all over. That's it. Five books. Worth it. And looking at that thinking, that is perfect for online play. I'm stuck online playing the most minimal amount of rules. Sounds perfect. So sword and backpack RPG is what's uh, what's I'm doing. I, and I'll I'll link all these in in the show notes. So just go to the to down below or the show notes and you click on these um, yeah. because that sounds awesome. Because that and maybe just gets rid of the little stank off the OSR. But that's 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 a discussion I think for another with another couple yeah. of people that may or may not ever. Absolutely, <laughs> and unfortunately, one of the shining lights of the. Um, it's known, uh, is a bit of a nuts anti sky, so that's you. But as always, like black metal, always check people that you're giving money to before you spend it. Right. Yeah, maybe do some Google searches if you're not getting it from a recommended source. Like yes, we try and sort of backpack, the guy who written that solid solid person. Right. So yes. no problem with that. Okay. So <laughs> that is fantastic picks. Um so I want to talk about Patreon. I mean, I know I talked about it a little bit before. Um, I paused it for March because I only got the one episode at the very end of February. Uh, but it still will make me a day if you join so that we can kind of burst into April and, and get a little bit uh, of that momentum going again. And uh, it really helps. Uh, I've got a surprise in the works that will finally happen after many years. Uh, And because I have the control of all of the necessary IP and or uh, funds to do so. So if you become a patron in April, you and, you know, keep you might find something interesting in your mail. So um, can I just check? Is it a Bucky O'Hare RPG? No, it is not a Bucky O'Hare RPG. That's an interesting idea. I don't have the IP. I have the Full Metal RPG IP is what I've got. Not the Bucky O'Hare. If I had that, we would be discussing it. The Bucky O'Hare miniatures game that I would want to, because that's what I'd want to put on Kickstarter, right? Because that would just go go gangbusters is doing that, right? Absolutely. Um, No, I, I have a... Yes, it's a project, and I'm very close. It will take a little while for it to occur, so, but just get on, get on board with Patreon. Come, come, hang with this on the Discord. Like, contribute to these Patreon prompts. Like, it was really fun to go through those, and they're smarter than we are, so it made this way better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're great. Like miniatures, they spark inspiration. Right. Exactly. Um, also we still are selling t-shirts, uh, and, uh, there's a limited edition Wolfmungus t-shirt that is one of my favorite t-shirts of all time. 
Still on sale till the end of March, so get it while you can. I've got my RoboCop logo t-shirt that I'm wearing currently uh, that's also on there. Yeah, I, w- I wish I could sell it for a dollar, but yeah. just go to the 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 fullmetalrpg.com to like look into all the links to the merch and that t-shirt site they sell for half price like all the time like all the time so like wait till it's on sale like i get a little bit less but totally that's what they're really worth so buy them on sale you heard it from old buzz uncle buzz kill himself kill himself so rob i really appreciate Mm -hmm. you coming on at such a late time over there. <laughs> yeah, well, match of the days on in a minute. So you are very lucky to have me. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 uh, I look forward f- to the next uh, episode of Realm of Fire. Uh, the only Warhammer podcast you need. You need no other Warhammer podcasts. Yeah, Brendan's second favorite Warhammer podcast. <laughs> yeah. His least worst Warhammer podcast yeah. that he likes. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's clearly, clearly not a simulacrum done in Adobe uh, Studio or anything like that. So no, he's fine. He's, he's fine. Good. Fine. He's like Luke in uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he can only do certain things and deep fake uh, Brendan. Deep fake Brendan. <laughs> I think. I think we. I think that might be the Realm of Fire uh, title. Yeah. Deep fake yeah, rap game. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you very much. Everybody have a good night. Rock.